You're listening to Behind the Note Podcast, brought to you by a musician for musicians. Here, you will get advice toward a successful music career. This show is made to educate, inspire, motivate, and empower. Now, here is your host, Chris Davis. Hello, everybody. Thank you for pressing play. You are now listening to episode 12. I want to start the show by saying thank you for a new iTunes rating and review we have right here. I'm going to read it to you. It says, this is really good information. Though it is geared for musicians, it provides life-changing principles for others interested in beginning their life's dream. Thank you. And i like to say thank you to the person who left this, Talk To. That's the name left right here on iTunes. So as you know, Behind the Note podcast is fairly new. We're sitting in week number three currently, and ratings and reviews are everything to a podcast, especially ones that are brand new. So if you'd like to show your appreciation, please go ahead to iTunes.com under the podcast section and search for Behind the Note and leave a rating and review. And go ahead and subscribe, too, if you haven't done so already, if you're enjoying the show so far. Now, this show is all about advice for a successful music career. And today's guest provides just that for you. He has been a concert, session, and touring drummer for over 20 years, performing with great artists such as Ben Tankard, Steve Cole, Kirk Whalum, George Duke, Donald Lawrence, Phil Tarver, Kim Burrell, Yolanda Adams. Oh, my gosh. That's just a few of the people. And he's a great musician himself. He's also a teacher and a leader and co-founder of Spoon Fed Productions. It brings me joy to introduce to you today our guest, Michael Weatherspoon. Hi, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Now, I want to start by asking you, what attracted you to music in the very beginning before you even picked up an instrument? You know, me and my brother, uh, Daniel Weatherspoon, we uh, started playing in the grade school band. I, I originally started off in the uh, brass section on trumpet and uh, moved to the valve trombone and eventually to the baritone. And that's where I learned how to read music and just understand the concepts of music. But then... Where the gospel side came out was uh, in church. You know, me and my brother always uh, was at church. We loved being at church. We loved being around choirs and musicians. Uh, my dad is uh, a bass player, and uh, so we had music in the house. He was a part of a quartet group called the Holy Travelers. So we they would be re rehearsing in the basement, and so me and Daniel would always be around music. And so just being in church, it just naturally came. And I transitioned to the drums. Uh, and eventually got better and uh, took off from there. When did you transition to the drums? Because that's what you play today. How old were you then? I transitioned to the drums probably at 11 or 12 years old. And I wasn't good, man. It was just funny. I, 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 I struggled primarily because I was afraid to play in front of people, which was strange because I was in a symphonic band and played baritone uh, with a group of people. But then... I knew I wasn't as good initially when I made the switch, but uh, as time went on, my confidence built. Uh, I got better because I stayed faithful at it, um, and I wanted to play, 
and made that transition at 12. And then probably about 14, 15, man, things really started taking off for me. And when you were in band, how old were you then when you started there? Well, it's the traditional normal age uh, in band. You know, I think they start you off in third or fourth grade. Okay. Uh, started off on a trumpet state with it all the way through beginning of high school along while I was playing um, drums in, in church and uh, just made the transition full time to the drums uh, once I got to high school. So when did you become serious? Or I guess another way I can ask that question is, when did you make the decision that you were going to do this for the rest of your life? Because you're, you're still doing it now, obviously. You know, I was asked to do my first record, man, at 14. So I, I was probably one of the youngest gospel drummers uh, why was, you know, at that time um, in Chicago doing records. Um, most of the drummers back then in the early 80s, mid 80s, uh, they were just playing at church. They didn't have the opportunity to do a lot of uh, concerts and travel and tour and do records. Uh, not a lot of groups were recording back then in gospel. Um, but I was blessed to uh, work with some great musicians who took me under their wing. And at 14, I did my first record with Christian Fellowship. And from there, man, I realized that this was something that I really wanted to do and stuck with it, man. And, it, and the career just got blessed it and breathed on it and it just blossomed. Wow, that's really a great story. So somewhere along the way, the desire to start your own company was born. Mm -hmm. tell, tell us about that moment without telling us about your company just yet. We're going to get there. But tell us where the desire came from. Well, it came from working with my brother, Daniel Weatherspoon. I mean, we... We just got that desire after playing for so long with artists. We learned a lot of things, working with record labels, spending a lot of time in this recording studio. You know, that was one of the advantages that I had. Number one, I always was around musicians who were older that were better. So I had no choice but to get better. Then the second thing, I was exposed to a lot of things early. So from an early age, I was in a recording studio around songwriters, around producers. And then after time went on, me and Daniel just decided, hey, this is something we can do and we want to do it. So we started by just buying some DAT machines and some small drum uh, programs, uh, uh, machines, and just started in our parents' basement. And we had one little room down there and we started uh, demoing music, uh, getting better at it, doing our own recording, bought mics, built up from there. And then we got an artist, uh, as time went on, we got an artist to buy into us. And then it just, the the company just exploded from there. So when you pitched to this artist, what, what was your pitch and, and what was the goal at that time? Well, this was an artist that had been around us. The first artist that, not unsigned artist that we worked with was uh, Val Ross and then a Hispanic gospel artist. Um, we were already playing for them. And uh, so they gave us a shot. But then we were playing for Mark Hubbard and United Voices for Christ, who was a really popular choir back in the 80s major choir, you know, along with um, Ricky Dillon, New G, and the Thompson Community Center. And so the record label he was on at the time, Ty Scott, gave us a shot. Mark Hubbard gave us a shot, and we did a record with him on Ty Scott Records called He's Up There. Spoonfed took off from there. Wow. So the name of your company is Spoonfed Productions. Mm -hmm. uh, well, first of all, where did the, the title of the company come from? You know, it came from our friend, uh, J.J., uh, Robert Smith, who's a bass player uh, from Chicago, and he's moved since moved to L.A. We were all playing for Ben Tankard at the time, and so we were in the basement trying to think of some names. And he sat in the chair and he said, you know what, 
spoon fed. That sounds kind of good. The, the, move, the, the music is coming from the spoon boys and you're feeding it to them. And from there, man, we just love the name and stuck with it. And uh, it's just been a, a catchy name and it, 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 it allows people to know who it's coming from. But then it allows us to the creative side of the feeding that whatever God gives us or the creative piece that we come up with, um, we can feed it to the listener. Now tell us what exactly is Spoon Fed Productions and how does it work and who does it serve? Well, initially Spoon Fed Productions was is a production music production company where either independent artists or record labels could hire us to produce their record. And we would manage everything from studio time, musicians, singers, songwriting. We necessarily didn't write all the songs, but just put the songs in place, arranging, recording. We were just pretty much a one-shop stop except for just releasing the album. We did everything but release the album. And so um, we did those type of things. Uh, we served initially uh, anyone that came to us. And then, it, you know, we, what we did was we really spent time screening the artists. You know, we didn't want to just put our name and talent with anybody. We wanted to make sure it was a good fit because relationship is so important. And that's a lot of things that musicians don't understand. You know, you can't go to the highest bidder or just put your talent on anybody that's willing to pay you. When, you, when you're thinking about doing a recording and producing and working uh, in a more intimate setting with artists, you want to make sure it's the right fit. So we, weren't, we just didn't take anybody, but we wanted to make sure it was the right fit. And then we worked a lot with record labels. So eventually over time, labels started calling us to produce the artists. So now we do more production with labels. We do take independent artists. We're real selective about it. But we work mostly with record labels. I'm interested personally to know about how do you screen your artists? It's all about relationship. Man. I've learned over the years that you get the best music from people you have a relationship with. Chemistry is so important uh, and it's underrated. Talent will only get you so far, but I think when you have chemistry, it causes you to make great music. When you have relationship, it causes you to make great music. And so what we try to do is we meet with them informally, just try and see what their vision is, uh, see if this is something that, if it's a gospel album, see if it's something that's God-led. You know, you really don't want to work with artists that's just doing this because they're in a competition phase of their life, career. Or they just want to try and outdo somebody. You're not really going to have any success with that. You, know, you want to make sure that you're working with an artist that God has really led them to do this and it's their time. And then we spend time, man, really just getting to know them. And them getting to know us. They go bowling. They go out to eat. Go to some movies. Sit down and talk informally. Hang out. Meet, meet their husband, wife, kids. And just build up that relationship piece. Because we automatically know if we're going to meet with the artist, we know that they're talented. We already know that up front because if they're not talented first, we don't think that they can pull it off. We're not, we're not even going to put our foot in the door. But if we know that there's some talent there and there's some interest on our part, then we want to build that relationship. And we understand that if the relationship piece takes, it takes off, then once we get in the studio, the thing is going to be a piece of cake. So that's really kind of what we do. It's really no system other than trying to build a relationship and build chemistry before we actually even go in and start reporting. That is so important. I'm so glad that you brought that up. And I want to stress that point, guys, everybody listening, the relationship is the most important thing. And, I, and I'm glad to know that that Michael and, and his brother are taking the time to get to know the artist first, because just like Michael said, that will make the the music that much better. And the music is the most attractive thing in the end. 
So I have another question for you. Do you, okay, in your responsibilities, are you responsible for raising money? It doesn't sound like it because you said you don't do the label. You don't do the, the releasing of the project. Right. Uh, you know, there used to be a time where production, production houses, and we did that for a little bit, a short period, where they would go out and find talent and then pitch the talent to the label. But as you know, the landscape has changed. Uh, the walls in the music industry have been torn down. The artist has access to everything now. But production companies are not pitching artists anymore because the artists can be their own record label. They don't need to sign with anybody. They can do everything themselves, control everything from merchandising to production to distribution uh, to every all radio, everything. So we don't pay for the artists. The artist is responsible for financing their own project. And then we, once we're done and we're paid, uh, then we turn the masters over to them and, or to the record label. And then they take it from there. So we handle everything up to the mastering. And then once the album is mastered, then we hand it over. Now, if they need help or consultation with the marketing piece, we have connections and areas in there where we can uh, pass them along to professionals who can help them that we trust um, or give consultation on photography and layout and things like that. Uh, but, you know, it, that, that's based on if the artist needs it. Now, I know that you also have a career as a speaker. Will you tell us how did that come to be? Because you're a musician. So how did you get to come to a speaking career? That seems to be not related, but tell us about that. Well, it's interesting. Um, I also have a, in addition to being a musician, I also have, went to college, have a degree in sociology, and have some graduate work. So for 14, I, when I was in high school, I prayed that God will have me uh, in two careers. I wanted to be a full-time musician. But I also wanted to work. I wanted to go to college and I wanted to work in higher education. And God gave granted me that. So actually, for the past 14, 15 years, I've been working two full time jobs. But it's great. You know, I love it. Uh, so I, I started speaking in, in higher ed because the positions that I had, I would have to do orientations, presentations, open houses, different things like that. And so I, I learned how to speak. But then when. I started getting asked in the gospel arena to speak to musicians, to do presentations to artists. And in 2010, I was asked to be over the music ministry at Valley Kingdom Ministries International. While there, God gave me a class called Music 101. I uh, developed that and presented it to the music ministry. And it caught on. Different ministries started asking me to speak to them, different churches, different artists. And I've been presenting this Levitical priesthood, just the assignment and understanding your role as a musician, as an artist, as a singer, as a dancer, as a gospel artist to, uh, you know, around the city and around the state. And it's, it's just been going, going well. Do you mind? I didn't ask you ahead of time, but can, can you just give us a little bit of what you get to talk about in there? Yeah. Um, well, I talk about Levitical priesthood man, and your assignment as a Levite. So if you're doing gospel, no matter what category it is, your assignment is to handle uh, God's anointing. That's our assignment, our initial assignment. So we're, we're responsible for the worship. We're responsible. God has trusted us to carry and handle his anointing, whether through music, preaching, dance, uh, singing. That's our responsibility. Everything else is secondary. But what I found is, is that a lot of us 
are in position, but we don't understand what our assignment is. And so we have people that end up playing for money, prestige, uh, their own personal uh, endeavors, and then the needs of the people are not met. So I talk about in there uh, developing a plan, having order, putting the right people in position, and then understanding that you, you are to serve. Uh, so, you, you know, your assignment is to have a plan, uh, have order, which doesn't mean necessarily Chris discipline and telling folks what to do. But order means having assignments. Uh, and then two, making sure that personnel, having the right people in place. You know, that's one of the biggest things that affects artists and ministries is we have the wrong people in position. And so the ministry can't effectively grow because we have the wrong leaders in position. We have put the wrong people in place or we fill up position with someone who's not qualified. And then the last thing is service, understanding that we're there to serve the ministry. Uh, yes, we want to get paid, want to get be taken care of and all those things, but our first assignment is to serve, then everything else will be taken care of. Very, very good. I want to sit in on some of these classes now. Yeah, man, that'll be good, man. I'll keep you posted. You know, it's been going really well. I've, I've talked to, uh, presented to Chicago Mass and, Souls of Salvation and Chicago Glory Ministry um, and a lot of other artists and churches. So, you know, I will keep you posted, man, on when I'm doing it. And, and on that note, just for our listeners, is there a way that they can also follow this, this teaching? Uh, can they find this teaching on the Internet or can they come to where you're going to be? Do you have a schedule up? Yeah, they can go to MichaelWeatherspoon.com uh, and follow that. I do not have anything up right now because I'm in the process of writing a book, which I am planning to have released in the fall of 2014. So I don't have any documentation up. Uh, there are some clips of some video that's going to be up soon. I did a teaching on branding. So there's going to be some clips that are up, but my book will be done uh, in about six months, ready for release, which I'm excited about. Uh, and so it'll be available there. Congratulations, man. I'm excited for you on that. So please tell us, what are some key lessons that you believe every musician should know and practice when it comes to music business? Well, music business. Uh, well, I, you know, some of the simple things, man. Um, one, try and surround yourself with musicians that are better than you because it's going to challenge you to get better. One of the advantages me and I had coming up is that I was always around adults. I was a kid, you know, and a young, you know, a young man, but I was always around musicians that were experienced, that were professional, that could challenge me and make me better. And that's important. Even if you can't play in the band, just being around seasoned musicians, you can glean. You know, even if you can't be part of the band and play with them, just find an artist, man, where you can just hang out with and just come to the rehearsals or come to their shows and just glean and learn and, and, and try and capture some of the things that, that they're doing. Uh, the second thing is you want to manage your money. Uh, you know, for us as musicians, a lot of times we get paid in cash. Um, you have to make sure that you manage your money, especially if being a musician is your only job. Um, and a lot of times being an artist, your income fluctuates. So you have to make sure that you manage your money because, listen, we're getting older. The clock is going forward and ain't going backwards. So we're not going to be teenagers all our life. You're not going to be living at your parents all your life. There's things that you're going to have to get as you get older. And so you're going to have to make sure that you put some of your money away. Third thing, man, and I say this, you want to pay your tithes and offerings. 
You want to give God back what's his so that he can breathe on what you have left. And then the, the, the fourth thing, man, in the music business, try and learn all you can about your instrument. You know, if that means taking some classes at the community college, I'm sitting under somebody and being a mentor, uh, you know, taking some theory classes or whatever. You need to try and edify yourself because the reason is the competition now, uh, the, the, the music industry is oversaturated with talent. So everybody's talented. Everybody can play. Everybody can sing. Everybody got a single video, website, DVD. Everybody pitching something. So you, the, you're going to have to always constantly maintain yourself and enhance yourself if not, uh, you're going to be overwhelmed by the talent that is directly or indirectly competing against you. I have to piggyback on, first of all, that was very good advice. Thank you for that. And I just want to piggyback on what you said about tithing. And I think it's just a good time for me to tell people my testimony. We've all had ups and downs in life, period. But uh, without even really realizing it, I got off on my tithing. And and you look up and it's like, oh, no, how, how did I allow myself to get here? So there was a very specific time when I recommitted to tithing. And, and still, I have not missed to this day. And on that very same day, I got a phone call for the exact thing I prayed for, which was a new job in performing music. And ever since then, I've never been without work. So that's I think that's just one example for for people who might not be familiar with tithing, it does work. And if you're and if you're a little uh, skeptical, I say just give it a try. Do you agree with that? Oh, absolutely, you got to. I mean, and, and especially, man. Even you know, God wants us to trust Him, but He also wants us to commit. The problem with the body of Christ, man, even us in the arts, is we're afraid to commit. You have to commit yourself to the tithe, even if you're afraid to trust commit. The trust will come. And so you have to, if God is fun, it is sustaining you, which he's sustaining all of us. But if you know you're in a career where you're being sustained, such as being an artist, you got to give God what's due his. This is so true. Thanks. Thanks so much for giving us this advice. And, and I'm glad you said that because there's some things like people will ask, hey, how did you get such and such a gig? Or how do you do this? How do you do that? And we can give certain advice, you know, but we can't really say if you do it just like I did it, you will get what I got. So I, I think that's the the missing piece for some maybe is the faith. Yeah, I understand that. Um, you're absolutely right, man. You know, the thing I tell people when I present music is an art. It's not a science. It's not like in mathematics where two plus two always equals four. In art, you can do everything that's prescribed and it's still not work. Uh, there are artists who have won Grammys off their first album. And then there's artists that have done 10 records, haven't even been nominated. I mean, it, there's, there's no prescribed prescription for success, a, a level of success, but there are things that you have to do in this industry that if you don't do it, you have no chance. So, but it doesn't mean that if you do them, you're going to have the success of someone else. You know, and then, the, you know, the other piece of that is uh, everybody's purpose is different. Their assignment is different. So there are some people whose assignment is to minister to the nations and to sing to the nations. And, and then there are some people who are just going to be local. That's, your assignment is not to be, 
to be to the world. Your, your assignment is to be at home. You know, I mean, if everybody's out on the road, who's at home? If everybody is on a tour, who's at the colleges? Everybody at the colleges, who's at the prisons? You know, so everybody's assignment is different. And, and so you, once you do your assignment and walk in your purpose, then that's when God can elevate you and expand you. You know, I remember um, Hezekiah Walker gave a testimony one time. And he said, man, you know, when he started his choir, they would just go out on the street corner and sing. They would go to the shelters and sing. And then they got discovered, you know, and then he just turned into this international artist. You know, sometimes you have to do what you're supposed to do. Then you can get what you you can be what get where you want to do. You know, but the problem with us is we don't do what we're supposed to do. We just want what we want. And it really don't work like that. Oh, man. Thank you so much. I'm trying my best not to show how excited I am. <laughs> but, man, this is this information is so valuable. And I hope people put it into practice. There is a difference in performing for an audience in terms of doing things for show. And then there's sincerely offering worship to God while you're performing. And it took me some time to get used to that difference. How can a person learn the difference between the two, in your opinion? Is there a difference? Well, there is a difference. I mean, there are times, man, where our assignment is different. You know, we're all, when we play, we're always offering worship. We should be in that mindset. But uh, your assignment, your call may be uh, of a different assignment. For example, if an artist called me to come in and get something done in the studio, uh, or lay a track in the studio, or a jingle, or a single, that's what I'm there to do. I know that in my heart, I'm offering, when, every time I play, I'm giving thanks and giving praise to God. But my assignment then is not to usher people into his presence. My assignment uh, is to get that song done in a certain amount of time. There may be sometimes even a gospel where there is um, a musical. It's a concert. You know, and you're there to, to give a concert. You're always exalting God, but you're your, the reason you're there is to get a certain job done or a certain assignment. But you always want to keep your heart in the right place. See, that's the problem with a lot of us as musicians and singers. Our heart changes, which causes our offering to God to not be accepted uh, because our motives and our intentions is wrong. And uh, this is one of the things what caused David to be recognized by God, that God told Samuel, I have found a man after my own heart. David's heart was in the right place, which caused God to identify him. And so as musicians and singers, we have to make sure, or anybody in the biblical priesthood or playing, you have to make sure that your heart stays right, that what you offer can be received. Very well stated. Thank you very much. I went to your website. I noticed that you have, your calendar is pretty full. For the, for the year, uh, at least you have some, you have something for the rest of the year. Can you give us some advice on how a person can do that plan ahead? Well, you know, you got to be in demand first. You know, that's the thing. Um, you know, as, as, as artists, people got to want you. Um, so my calendar can't be filled unless I'm in demand. Uh, and one of the ways that you can be in demand is to build relationships. You know, in this industry, people call who they know. They don't necessarily call who's the best. They call who, who is the best person they know, and the best person that they get along with. So that's where relationships are key. I mean, there are dozens of musicians in Chicago, that could, drummers that could play better than me. But a lot of the calls I get is because we have relationships. 
and the same thing with them. So you have to uh, make sure that, you know, as a musician, when you're out performing and playing, that you're building relationships, because that's what's going to help build your calendar. People will remember, people are always going to call their friends or call uh, who they get along with. So that's the best advice I would give them. Thank you for that advice. That's great advice. And I just wanted to say, some people wait for the phone to ring and some people complain that there's no work. The statement that there's no work is not true. I'm a believer of that. And I'm glad that you pointed out it is about relationships. So if you if you believe there's no work, really, you need to go meet some more people. Definitely. Yeah, because there is work. Yeah, you definitely need to meet some people. Uh, and you need to work. You need to make it work for yourself. You got to put yourself out there. You got to build those relationships. You got to generate your own buzz, man. Because as I said earlier, the market is oversaturated. So there's, you have to do something to get people to pay attention to you. Let's, let's touch on that briefly. What, what, what are some things we can do? First of all, let's say, for example, that uh, someone we look up to comes to town and they're performing. How, how do you recommend we start that relationship if, if they're strangers to us? How, how should someone go about that? Well, if you have management, I mean, you can start there with management that can make the connection. You can have your manager contact their manager and see if there's a way that you can uh, meet them or talk to them backstage, even if it's just for a couple minutes. Have your company, your management see if it's possible that you can open for the artists if they're coming to town. Reach out on social media. Maybe send them an encouraging word. Inbox them. Direct, me- direct message them. And just say, hey, you know, I'm a big fan, and next time in Chicago, maybe we can connect or you know, I'm be supporting you at your show. You know, kind words go a long way. And then, two, make sure that, you know, I said this a while ago. I said, people are more aware of you than you think. They may never say anything, but people are aware of you. So make sure what you put out is professional. Pictures, your music, your website, social media. Make sure that it's, it, it, it is an attention gift. It's your best work. Not that you're trying to get attention, but... You want to put your best presentation out there because there are people that are paying attention. They may never say it, but they are. And so you want to make sure that you have those things in place so that you can make those connections. Thanks, Michael, so much. You know, we're coming up on time and I really want to be respectful of your time. So I think we're going to stop right there. And I really appreciate you. And is there anything... Anything else you want to leave us with or you think we pretty much covered everything? Well, you know, I, I just want to just tell, the, you know, the musician out there to stay encouraged, man. I know what it is to be the underdog. I started off at the bottom. I know what it is to rehearse long hours, play for low money, do the chitlin circuit. You know, God rewards faithfulness. He rewards people who's harder than the right place. The thing I would say to people is just stay encouraged, man. Don't quit your assignment. You know this is something you're supposed to do. Stick with it. Uh, there is prosperity and perseverance. And prosperity doesn't happen overnight all the time. Uh, prosperity usually comes through perseverance. Now, I was talking to Bashan Mitchell a little while ago, and uh, he's reached a really high level of success as a singer and songwriter. But I asked him how many records had he done? And he told me he did nine. He did not get to the success that he's gotten to. Had he quit at record five or record six? And here's the other thing. The song that took him to the top, he didn't even write. Nobody Greater was written from somebody else. Deshaun is one of the best writers in gospel music, but the song that took him to the top came from someone else. 
So the point is, is that, man, you got to stay persistent. If you know that this is something you're supposed to do, don't quit. Thank you so much. I think that's very valuable advice that I'm personally going to take to heart and put into practice. And thank you again, Michael. How can people find you on the web one more time? Uh, MichaelWeatherspoon.com. You can reach me on Facebook, uh, Michael Weatherspoon, and at, on Twitter at uh, SpoonFedProd. It's uh, SpoonFedProd. Uh, thanks. Thanks again. And we look forward to having you back in the future, hopefully. Oh, thanks, Chris. Great show. Glad to be here.